Hello, listening people. Hello. You're listening to Spit and Polish Presents Pictures Power. I am one of your hosts, Ryan Swinski. And I'm Bartek. Bartek, we're at it again with yeah. our podcast, and we're at it again via recording from different places again. Isn't that fun? Yeah, it is. I, I totally do not get any sort of good stimulus out of actually being in the same room as you, apparently. No, no, we don't want to look at each other, let alone be in the same room as we record. Some might say, hey, is it because Melbourne's in lockdown again because of the virus? No, it's just because I'm sick of look at it, looking at Bartek's face as we record. Mm-hmm. We record with no visuals now, just audio. And that's how I want it, and that's how Bartek likes it. Okay, yeah, he doesn't I, want it, but he'll like it. Yeah, I know. I look at my wavelength when I talk, and that's a lot more handsome. Yeah, yeah, that's right. More handsome than me? That's an incorrect fact. That's fake more handsome, news. More handsome, yeah, fake news. More handsome than the reflection of me in your eyes. Because <laughs> I look very closely. <laughs> that's better, that's better. So, yeah, we are recording, we're doing the recording in different locations because Melbourne is terrible, but that's not going to stop our need, our passion, our love for talking about movies, talking about movies that have come recommended. That's the format of the show. I recommended the movie for this episode. I recommended Venom, starring Tom Hardy, Riz Ahmed, and Jenny Slate. <laughs> and I recommended the, was it 2018, 2018. cinematic classic? Venom. Now, Bartek... We hinted at the end of last episode, but I think it's time to reinforce it. Neither of us have seen this movie until now. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. Until last night, as of this recording. So, as a first-time viewer, um, what was your experience of this? Did you go in completely blind? Did you have any kind of foreknowledge of, of anything? And what was your viewing experience? In terms of foreknowledge, I knew a few things, just stray things that you and I and maybe our friend Will, who had seen the film, had mentioned. Um, And I had heard a couple of reviews from some YouTube movie people that we like, but they weren't exactly fresh in my head. So Mm. in terms of those little plot beats, I knew about certain lines, but I didn't know about the general you know, narrative structure of the whole film. So it was fairly blind. And how did you feel when you watched it last night? (laughs) Well, let's just say I watched Venom, so... (laughs) (laughs) That says it all, doesn't it? Well, Well, I did watch Venom. The rest of the episode will will get into what that means, I suppose. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that is true. So, I watched this film last night for the first time. I did have knowledge of where, like, good portions of it go because of... It was one of those movies where I had no interest in ever actually seeing it, but I had interest in hearing people talk about it because it was renowned for being a very bad movie, if not an abject failure. Yet, we're going to get more Venom movies because it made money. Um... So I knew the ins and outs. I love watching and hearing reviews, funny ones of movies like this, where they take it down, deconstruct it, talk about what it what doesn't work. That is different in comparison to actually watching those movies, though. Mm. <laughs> because watching Venom last night was an experience. 
experience because I knew that there were things in here. I knew that the bad guy took over six months to get from one country to another with no explanation. But when you actually see it, it really is mind-boggling that there's no explanation for why it took them six months to get from one place to another. Yeah, this is one of those films where, like, the first 20 minutes are just, you know, like, what were you doing? Yeah, what were you doing? Oh, uh, we were setting up Riz Ahmed as our character, but he's the villain? <laughs> like, mm. what about setting up Tom Hardy or Venom, for God's sake? <laughs> but I watched this last night, and uh, th- the key word I would use to describe having watched Venom was embarrassed. I felt embarrassment throughout the entire feature film. That's the <laughs> word I would describe. What about you, Bartek? Um, I think for a lot of it, I was indifferent, but there were a few key moments where I, yeah, basically laughed at how ridiculous uh, various aspects were. Yeah, I... Yeah, I laughed at times when the movie didn't want me to. I never laughed when it wanted me to, God forbid. But I did feel like, not cringe, but just, oh, secondhand embarrassment from how much this movie tried and failed. Because it's trying so hard, yet also it's very incompetent and lazy and Mm. nonsensical, so those clashing elements made me embarrassed on behalf of the movie. It is embarrassing. Like, Tom Hardy's one of the best actors living and working today, and the word I would use to describe his performance is embarrassing. It is really sad and pathetic. It's, It's... Like when you see someone like Robert De Niro doing something like Dirty Grandpa, and you're like, okay, I get it. Robert De Niro's old, he doesn't have as many roles as he could in his heyday, and he wants, and he needs money. But Tom Hardy is like at the, like at his, you know, at his apex, he's at at his prime right now, and this is what he does? (laughs) Yeah, I think this was the first time I saw him play like a normal character, so that was also interesting for me. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about T. Hardy, Tom Hardy. What are you mm-hmm. familiar with him? So you're saying this is the first time you've seen him play a normal person, yet in the movie he's like a weirdo throughout no, but the whole I mean, movie. I mean, like, because they're trying to play him up as like an everyman. He's not like, I've seen him in The Revenant, where he's, you know, it's a period piece film where he's playing this very gruff voiced guy. Mm. Um, I've seen him as Bane. I've seen uh, Dunkirk, but I... To be honest, I barely remember him in it, and I don't think he even spoke that much. Um, so this was the first time where I'm just like looking at what he, you know, looks like in real life without all this, you know, beards or 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 a bane mask on. But instead, he has CGI black goo on him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I like how you said like a normal guy, and you tried to defend it by being like, "Well, the film tries to like establish him as just your everyday common guy, but he's not even that." Just because, okay, the film says that the film lets us know many times that he's like this great guy because he gives money to homeless people, even though he hasn't got a job. Mm-hmm. But Tom Hardy's performance goes against that because he, no joke, plays this as if he's some kind of crack addict. He's constantly twitching. He's always sweating. He's always stuttering. His accent is off the charts. It goes into many different places throughout the movie. Yeah. And 
you go, well, how's this guy supposed to be a common everyday guy just from his performance? I think back to the film Harvey that we did with Jimmy Stewart. And Jimmy Stewart was like an eccentric personality. You know, he has his Jimmy Stewartisms. He has his study. He has his drawl. But in the film Harvey, you like Elwood P. Dowd because he plays it so down to earth. He's so sweet natured. He's so kind. He comes across as a kind-hearted everyman that you kind of root for, even though he's a rich, eccentric guy with all these Jimmy Stewart-isms. That works because Jimmy Stewart has charm, and he's charismatic, like, he's charming, he's sweet-natured. Tom Hardy isn't that in this movie. He plays it like a weird, sweaty, gross guy that would be working with Jake Gyllenhaal in Nightcrawler. That's what I thought. (laughs) Yeah, definitely, I think, after the time skip. But in the beginning, though, he he does a horrible thing to his girlfriend because he need I, I need the truth. Yeah, there's uh, you used the word before, but there's a lot of things clashing with him. And throughout the, the the drama, I just found his performance really, really, really funny because I kept saying to myself, "This is a great actor," and that's what was making me laugh because I'm seeing this great actor, and he's not phoning it in. He's definitely not phoning it in. He is trying 110%. Yeah. But Bartek, we study drama. We've seen lots of performances in movies and on stage and elsewhere. What do performers like to do? They like to perform. But you need a director. You need someone to tell them to pull back. Mm-hmm. Or else actors... Will will just be indulgent to themselves. They will they will push the boundaries just for their own amusement and not the amusement of the audience. And that's what Tom Hardy was doing in this movie. It felt like he was having fun, but I wasn't having fun because he was so inconsistent with the writing with his performance. Yeah, and with the tone of the film. This is a Venom movie, by the way. <laughs> like I can't get over that this is a Venom movie. When I was a small child. I thought Venom was cool because he was evil and he was so, like, devil make care evil. And I wanted a Venom movie as a ch- child. I wanted Venom to verse Tobey Maguire, and we eventually got that. But this is not what I thought when I said, oh, I want a Venom movie. I didn't think I want a slapstick comedy. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Like... Let's talk yeah. about Venom as a character from the like what we are familiar with him. Are you that familiar with the Venom character? I don't think I'd known him until uh, Spider-Man 3 back in 2007 or wherever it was. You never played any of the Spider-Man video games? Uh, he just happened to not be in the few that I played. Ah, <sighs> wow. Wow, okay. Like, that, that, like that I played you... Spider-Man 2 Enter Electro and apparently he was in the first one. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, the first one, which is really... I, I like the Ento Electro one, that's a good game, but when, when I played it back in the day. But yeah, so you're not familiar with him outside of the Raimi movies. That's where I first heard of him. I think later down the line I watched like a playthrough of that first Spider-Man game just to see what I missed. Um, and he was, yeah, very wacky and comedic and after a point on Peter Parker's side, so that like opened up an avenue in my head of like... Oh, okay, so I guess he's not always a villain, and I think even a couple of months ago I even asked you this straight up and you explained it to me. 
Yeah, now I'm not as huge a Venom fan as many people, uh, but I am familiar somewhat. I haven't read any of his own comics. I've seen him in video games, shows, whatever. He's an anti-hero, more of a villainous kind of character, but overall, he will switch to the side of good when it suits his needs. That's the kind of character I imagine him to be more so than a pure good guy. He will have allegiances with anyone he sees fit. Um, Deep down, he's a good individual, but more so he's an asshole. And this movie tries to have that, but it doesn't know what it wants. Like, does it want Venom, the character of Venom, to be an alien who has no familiarity with human culture, So, and he's like a Bond villain where he says such lines as like, um, Good job, Eddie. Excellent execution. But then also he'll be the kind of guy who will be like, Eddie, who the hell is this guy? Like, it's it's so conflicting of the character in this film. Yeah, and he knows one of the, like, uh, offensive slang meanings of the word pussy. <laughs> exactly, right? And you say to yourself, okay, so remove the Venom from our knowledge. The Venom in this movie, the character of Venom in this movie, did you like him? Did uh... you, Bartek? I didn't hate him, but yeah, he. I it's a gimmick. The, yeah, it's the gimmick of the film. But did it work for you as even a gimmick? The gimmick being this guy gets a symbiote, and that makes him have awesome fight sequences. And this character is basically his id. Did that even work? Mm, I I do remember because it takes a while for Venom to be introduced in the film. I remember when he did get introduced, I was a little bit more interested in the film. So I guess there's that. Yeah, because you knew the title character was here, finally. Yeah, it it took... Like 40 minutes? 40 minutes, yeah, I think it was like halfway through the film. And even then, like, they started off with with him just being a voice in his head, and it's like, is this schizophrenia? But then, you know, I was the audience member being like, no, I know it's the Venom movie. Because we saw the black goo go in his ear. Yeah. And even after we, you know, finally have his character established and we see him, he has a very, I guess we could describe it as a rapid character arc. You mean fast? Yeah, you mean skipped over? You mean non-existent? Yeah. Fast forwarded, yeah. Okay, we chose this movie, I chose this movie, but we knew one day we would talk about Venom at some point, whether we would do it on the pod or not, because we like watching bad movies, whether they are good, bad, or just bad, bad, because we get a joy out of discussing what the fuck was that choice, what was this choice, why did it fail here, here, and here. I want to propose something different. Can you tell me things that worked in this movie and try not to have backhanded compliments. Is there <laughs> anything that was genuinely good in this film for you? I uh, I liked, in terms of the CGI, when Venom was just the symbiote that wasn't attached to anyone, like when he was moving around on the ground and on the walls. Like at times, I thought that that looked very nice. Yeah, what else? Oh, jeez, I gave you something and you want one more, jeez. Um, I want to hear from you, I want to know, like, because you always have a more positive outlook on movies. You're Mr. I don't hate a film, 
I'm I, I either like it or I just it wasn't for me. But that you always have true. something nice to say, so I want to hear from you, Mister Positivity. I know, but I I am I think I am kind of prone to backhanded compliments, so I have to I have to think. <laughs> um, yeah, I like I like the. Uh, I liked the the symbiote on its own when it was moving around. I thought there was a lot of interesting things going on there. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. What else did I like? Um, yeah, see, I keep I keep trying to bring up things, but like, no, that's backhanded. Yeah. Like, oh, the song was good, but yeah. <laughs> because it's shit. That's why <laughs> it's good. <laughs> Hey, I checked the 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 YouTube upload of it, and everyone really likes it. Yeah, because they're assholes. <laughs> they're either like us, and they're like, "I love it," or they're Eminem fans. Yeah, they're, they're, they're huge. They're huge Eminem fans, or they're saying things like, "Whoa, did anyone not want a symbiote of their own after seeing this film?" <laughs> so you're struggling to find any actual positives, other than like a backhanded, like, "Oh, this could be a positive," but really, it's a backhanded compliment. Yeah, like I could say, like, oh yeah, Tom Hardy was trying, but even then, that mean that has an implicit meaning of he didn't succeed much. Yeah. Okay. So I'll give you mine. I have none. That's the answer. There's literally no positives, and I don't even have a backhanded compliment for this movie, other than I didn't hate it. Yeah. This movie didn't make me angry at all. It didn't make me furious. It didn't make me filled with hate or venom. Ha ha ha. But it is, I there's no, like, to me, I know this is a subjective comment, but to me, objectively, the, it does nothing good. It does it competent at best, but nothing mm. good, let alone yeah. great. I agree. This, this film literally does the barest of minimums by having the camera on and in focus. That's, and you can barely see anything most of the time. I yeah, really, a lot of. I was really looking over my notes, and I was like, "Is there literally no positives I can give this movie other than the basic standard of they had sound and images, and that's it? That's all I can give this movie because everything else it fails at. No, no visuals that you liked or anything like that. Yeah, I couldn't see any of them. <laughs> what are you talking about visuals I liked? They were all garbage. Even if I could see the visuals, I was constantly reminded that it was all fake. Either the CGI was rubbish, or you could just tell it was a set. Like, his apartment, it looks so much like a set. Even, especially when they set it up for a fight sequence. Then you notice the way it was lit, and the way things were positioned. Oh, that's going to be where they throw that guy, and that's going to be when they throw this thing. And I just was like, oh, this is a set. Yeah, if if they... If they set, if they um, yeah, if they decided on only a couple of camera angles to use in that apartment, you could use that place for a sitcom or something. And it was a joke. So yeah, no, there are no visuals in the movie that are genuinely good. There were hilariously terrible visuals that made me sad and laugh. But uh, no, all of it looks fake and or garbage. And <laughs> isn't that weird for a movie that came out so recently with this much money? I kept remarking while watching it, I miss, you know, even bad superhero movies like Daredevil or Catwoman. You know what? At least they looked good. Like, they had, like, they look terrible, but they look better than this. Because what I hate, and you know this, Bartek, I hate movies with these fucking filters over them. These browns and blue filters. Yeah. 
And this movie looks like it was filmed under the fucking ocean for no reason. It's a blue tinge throughout the whole movie, and it looks great. And when it's not blue, it's just pure black at night, and we're supposed to tell what's going on. It's it's mm. a, it's a joke. <laughs> yeah, whenever whenever we bring up the the film Black Panther and the fact that I didn't really like it that much, um, you always remind me that like they had that climactic fight scene where the two the the villain and the hero looked the same, and they were fighting in a dark area, and you couldn't tell who was who. And yeah, Venom, which I think came out the same year, had the exact same kind of climax. But at least with what I've seen of Black Panther, you could tell like one guy's hitting another guy. In this, it's like two giant like bowls of liquid being thrown at each other. Yeah, two very dark figures fighting at night. Yeah, and they join together, and it's it's insanity personified. <laughs> I'm really struggling to think if there's any actual positives I can give this movie because I can't give Tom Hardy's performance a positive because his accent is all over the fucking place. His tone, like performance tonally, is inconsistent beyond belief. I don't know if I'm supposed to take his performance at all seriously or if it's just supposed to be comedic. And if that's the case, I never found it funny. I found it pathetic. I was constantly reminded of this guy was a this guy's a great actor. I, he's always over the top. Tom Hardy's always someone who has an over the top nature to him. Even in more nuanced, subtle roles, he has a slight over the top thing. You know, he does a weird vocal inflection choice, or he does a mannerisms that are a little bit too overpronounced. But he usually those elements are usually enhancing instead of detracting. And in this. I guess it's enhancing because it's like the only energy you get from the movie because the other part of the movie is Riz Ahmed and Michelle Williams and they're like energy black holes. Mm. Like, I love Riz Ahmed, but he's terrible in this. Fucking terrible. Another character, just a bunch of things were clashing. (laughs) My favorite line from him, because this is a guy who's supposed to be like, what, Elon Musk type, right? Mm-hmm. My favorite thing about him is he plays it like cold and emotionless. You know, he's very cold. He's very practical. He, that was my best. You are my best scientist, and he and he plays it very one note. But he has lines of dialogue and tonal stuff that demand him to play it more over the top B movie cheese. You know, twirling of a mustache. But yeah. he still delivers it in his monotone, cold way. So you get this conflicting thing where you have a line that is you. Bring me my creature. And in any other movie, that would be like a cheesy, villainous, twirling mustache line. Like, imagine Tim Curry saying that. Yeah, imagine Venom saying that. Imagine Venom. But instead, you get Riz Ahmed, and he's like, You! Bring me my creature. And it's just so fucking funny. Because it's like the wrong delivery. Yeah, I, I had one for him as well. What one? It was the line that he said as he was leaving the interrogation with um with with Tom Hardy. It was something like what was the name of his like henchman guy again? I don't know. He had some stupid name. No, that's fair enough. But basically he called that henchman and it's like, "Hey, you can go finish your job." But and I can't remember the exact line, but the problem with that line was he sounded exactly like Kermit the Frog. <laughs> Like, I actually had to rewind and listen to it again. He sounds exactly like Kermit the Frog in that line. (laughs) And when you think about, like, as you described him, cold and, you know, sort of emotionless throughout the film, 
all of a sudden he's Kermit the Frog for like a very brief line. It's also really amusing because in the movie, Tom Hardy and Riz Ahmed have very few scenes together. But in each scene that they are in together, it's a competition of which British actor can try and mask their British accent underneath an American accent. <laughs> and I think Riz Ahmed kicks his Tom Hardy's ass all over the shop with that one. But even then, there were so many points in the movie where Riz Ahmed would pronounce something with an English inflection. And I'm like, mm, that's not right. That's not right. You're supposed to not be, you know, I'm... I don't know why they made these choices. <laughs> like, why can't you just have Riz Ahmed be British? You know, what does it matter? Yeah, like, I feel I feel like the, they wanted the character to be this sort of, like, you know, charming, in a way, leader of this group that, you know, is has good intentions but is misguided and that makes him villainous. But I don't think he ever quite hit that level of charisma. Like, he was introduced giving the tour to the the school children um and he's playing up his charisma there where he's like oh you don't interrupt her like you dreams you you need to reach for things that no one else is reaching for but then yeah he does kind of just keep to this monotone delivery throughout most of the film and when he's conflicted about you know like what to do next and like oh you need to get eddie brock for me there's just like not enough confidence there to make you really buy him as a villain. Like I think, which scene was it? I think it was during the chase scene where Venom's actually finally, you know, being Venom. Um, it, every time it cut back to him yelling another order, it just, I think those were the most embarrassing parts of the film for me. He, yeah, that's true. They were embarrassing because he was also doing the speak into the microphone and press the button thing, which actors yeah. love to do, by the way. <laughs> it, it, and filmmakers love that because they think that means something and you just know, like, oh, come on, guys. I've seen this a million times. This isn't Jason Bourne, all right? Well, in, in the earlier film where that Isaac guy was stuck in that room and, like, he turned on the microphone, even when he was right up against the glass, apparently he can be picked up by not pressing a button. Oh, don't even get me started. That that was the embarrassing Riz Ahmed moment where he was like, <laughs> Isaac, you know, like, and then he's like, bring in the next volunteer. Like, dude, are you not going to, like, move the body from in there? Like, or are you not going to capture the symbiote and put it back in? Like, I was thinking about that logistics. That was the main question that I was wondering, yeah. Like, when they open the door, what's to stop it from just jumping out? Uh, cutting to another scene. No, 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 cuts. That's, that's right. Cuts the movie, this is. Because, yeah, bizarre The director cuts. yells cut, and the symbiote's like, how did I do? And it's like, you did well, you did well. Good job. <laughs> that's the director? <laughs> yeah, it's Venom. <laughs> Good job, Eddie. <laughs> You're now let's bite their heads off. <laughs> um, no, I... Riz Ahmed is a charismatic guy. We saw that in Nightcrawler. We even saw that in Una. And I've seen him in so many other projects. He's a great actor. We all know Tom Hardy's a great actor, but Riz Ahmed is still on the up and coming where people don't know his name. People don't know all of his projects. He's still coming up in the world. And he is a talent that is being severely misused in this movie. It's miscasting. And you say, like, you could have a non-charismatic villain, like a monotone villain, but you know what you need instead? 
maybe his right-hand man is the big energetic personality because we've seen that in many movies too with the especially superhero movies where it's the the right-hand person that is the the interesting threat or one that our hero has to go against more often than not i think of something like a kingsman say where you had sophia patella had like knives for feet and you know sam jackson and him would have a conversation but you know she was the one that he had to fight a lot uh, she was the one he had to fight a lot or you know so on and so forth you have like oh the right hand henchman is the one that the hero has to go up against more so than the actual arch nemesis mm. but the right hand person in this one all i knew about him was he was bold that's how I could tell him apart from any he other was, henchman. He was bold, bold, and uh, he seemed to have a really big thing against Eddie Brock that I just never bought. Really, I never understood why. Like it yeah, felt like, like he it, did something to him in the past, and I was like, "Oh, so what happened in the past?" It felt, yeah, it felt like the character should be like just business with him. Like, "Oh, this is my work. I have to kill you," but not even, but like not even to the extent where you'd bring that up. It's just like that—that's the performance that you would expect. Maybe there's a cut scene that explains that Eddie Brock ruined this guy's life doing one of his investigations in the past, but unfortunately that wasn't in the film, if it's true. Mm. My favourite piece of trivia, well not trivia, but uh, one of my favourite pieces of behind the scenes stuff is Tom Hardy saying that he was disappointed because all of the best stuff that he enjoyed was not in this movie, it was cut. Yeah, yeah, he was like 40 minutes of scenes that they filmed that weren't in the film. <laughs> that actually help the film and make sense. Mm. Too bad we didn't get that cut. We don't have the direct... We don't have the Snyder cut of this yeah, movie. Maybe maybe that's the equivalent of the director, like, cutting back on Tom Hardy. Oh, you wish. It's like, they... I, won't, I won't tell him to cut back, but I'll cut out his film. No, we cut the lobster scene in. <laughs> that's true. The famous lobster scene. I... Okay, so with this film, Venom, from 2018, it is to set up a universe of its own. And at the end of this film, they they didn't have anything to set up, so they had to wait for the post credit scene to set something up. Which, I know that's the point of a lot of post credit scenes. They set up the next movie. But a lot of these universe movies... Black Panther, Iron Man, Batman v Superman. There's lots of things within the actual film that will intrigue the audience and set up the universe to expand. Not just, oh, it's a post credit scene. There's literally nothing in this movie outside of the carnage scene at the end, in the post credits that actually sets up that you could make a universe out of this. Hmm. A cinematic universe. Like, yeah, you could make more Venom movies, but, like, a universe? I don't think so. Yeah, you were telling me last week that one of the big things about Venom is his uh, symbiotic relationship with Peter Parker, the Spider-Man. Um, but since the character is already, I guess, established as being its own thing with its own, you know, personality and stuff, mm. even if they did put it into a, a Spider-Man setting they'd have to come up with, I guess, a completely new dynamic. Yeah, because you saw Spider-Man 3. That's the classic where Peter Parker gets the black suit and it consumes him and it makes him an evil asshole. And then he removes, like, he sheds it, he rejects it. And it falls onto Eddie Brock. Eddie Brock, mm -hmm. who, again, in Spider-Man 3, 
but it's a bit different. Eddie Brock in the normal comics or whatever, he's more of an outright bully. He's a he's a he's a athlete. Like he's he's always pumping iron. He's a very muscly guy. He's a brute. Oh, okay. He's a he's a jock. He's the opposite of Peter Parker. He's not um, Eric Foreman. No, no, no. Raimi he wanted it to be more similar to Peter Parker, but mm-hmm. he was a dick. Which yeah. I understand that approach. I I've always defended that approach. Yet again, I'm not a huge fan of the performance, but I understand the rationale behind it. But you know, they Venom and Eddie Brock get on perfectly together because they both have a common goal, which is they both hate Spider-Man slash Peter Parker. They both have the common symbiotic goal of destroying Spider-Man. And that is a part of the foundation of their symbiotic relationship. In this movie, there literally is no reason other than, on my home planet, Eddie, I'm considered a loser. Like you. This is a Venom movie, people. Yeah, that that, that line uh, very heavily enhances one of their first conversations where he kept calling uh, Eddie Brock a loser. Bartek... This is a Venom movie, by the way. I can't, I can't get, I can't stress that enough. This is a fucking Venom movie where Venom, he he becomes best friends with Eddie Brock because they were both losers, Eddie. This is a fucking Venom movie. Yeah, and and that reason, as I mentioned earlier, was something that was fast forwarded through. You can do a Venom independent movie. You can. And you can do it without Spider-Man, sure. But I think one of the big problems is one of the core principles of the character of Venom relies on that previous relationship with Spider-Man, and especially for Eddie Brock. But this movie can't do that because they don't have the license or they don't have the ability to do it because of the contracting or whatever. They try to start from scratch but they try to also have all the Venom things at the same time instead of starting a completely anew or changing it up. But they also, they, they don't know what they want to do. They want to have, instead of Eddie Brock being a bad person, being an asshole, being a brute, being a bully, they want him to be this common everyday guy who's also the best guy ever. Like, he gives money to homeless people even though he doesn't have a job. And yet they also want him to be a bad person because he invades the privacy of his girlfriend. But, oh, he did it for the good reasons of he wants to seek the truth. But then they also, they they just, they wanted to have it all ways. They want Venom, like I said, to be this mega, like, this, this Bond villain type character where he's just pure evil incarnate. But also they want you to feel sympathy for Venom because on his own planet, he's a loser. Mm. And it... So many conflicting things going against one another, to the which point you go, well, I, I don't give a shit about anyone in this movie, except for maybe Michelle Williams' new boyfriend. He was like the only character I kind of liked. Mm. I don't know how you felt about Dan, I believe his name was. He was, yeah, he was alright, but again, there was another little clashing thing where the film, I think from watching the whole thing, they pretty much wanted you to like him. But they also had the thing where in his first meeting with Eddie Brock, Eddie did the thing where, like, he put out his hand to shake it and the guy just didn't notice and it came off across as, like, oh, look, he is douchey. But then as it went on, he wasn't. No, no. 
uh, he's too interested in medicine. He's a surgeon, but he knows a lot about MRIs. Yeah, as someone who's had multiple MRIs, I think I think the film kind of fucked up in showing how they work. You have to talk to the person who's going through the MRI beforehand to find out things about them. No, they don't ju- just wake up in an MRI. Just stick them in. Yeah, Bartek, stick them in. Yeah, you don't have to ask questions like, "Do you have any metal inside you?" You know, you know, Venom, the character. He's so synonymous with Spider-Man that he literally has this fucking spider logo on his chest. But in this movie, they can't have that. And that yeah, makes apparently it... people complained about that. Huh? Apparently people complained about that. Because you can't have it because it doesn't make any sense. And I get that. But here's why I think it's a valid complaint. It's already hard enough to see Venom because they shoot him at night primarily. And he's this black goo against a black sky. But you can only see him because of his teeth and his eyes, practically. That big white logo on his chest is a, helps you visually. It's like, you know in Man of Steel, how they didn't give Superman his red underpants on the outside? and oh, they didn't. People got upset about that. And one of the reasons people got upset about that is... It is for the visual referencing. It makes it the outfit look better because if not, you just have this giant blue, one shade of blue and a red mm-hmm. cape and the thing. While, while the red in the middle, whether it's a belt or the underpants or whatnot, helps visually break up the pattern, helps you visually catch onto the character design better. And that's what the white logo on the Venom chest helps to do but in this he doesn't have it so instead he just looks like a giant black thing that you can barely see Mm. it's very funny I there is no positives so let's talk about the things that we did enjoy Bartek but not for the reasons the film wanted us to I fucking loved the fact that Hazard took over six months to get there and spent six months in this old Asian lady's body. Was his name Hazard or Riot? Oh, sorry. Riot. How could I forget? For some reason, I thought it was Hazard. Riot. When the movie makes a whole thing about, oh, they can't survive with a host for too long because they can't help but eat the insides of them. Well, Riot seemed pretty good at it. Yeah, that lady was must have been a good host. She was a good old lady. I love that it chose an old lady and then a small child. Like Yeah, well it it started with one of the was it one of the paramedics or one of the astronauts? Paramedics. Sort of, yeah, one of the paramedics. That was huh? the six month one, right? Did you pick up on the Easter egg on who the astronaut was? Jameson. Mm-hmm. J. Jonah Jameson's son, who's an astronaut, if you remember Spider-Man 2, that was also yeah, the he case. Yeah, he was in it briefly, I think. He was marrying um, Mary Jane in Spider-Man mm. 2, and he was an astronaut. But that was a little Easter egg for those who care, and um, what an Easter egg that was, huh? I'm sure there's many mm. other Easter eggs, but who cares, because there's going to be carnage. But <laughs> I love that it took Riot so long. Why? I wonder if it was meant to communicate that across or if that was something that has happened in editing. Because you get the six months later. Yeah. And, and really, did the six months later really add anything? Because he seemed pretty much the same after the time skip, except for he didn't have a job. Yeah, I think the only thing the time skip could have possibly done was Eddie Brock's circumstances. 
But even then, I didn't buy that he had changed that much within yeah, six I, months. Yeah, I agree, but but that's like the only thing that I can think of because you know you have to give him a new place to live and new people that he has in his immediate circle. You mean a homeless lady? Homeless lady, the lady at the the store. Oh, don't forget the guy at the bar who's like, I'm trying to watch that. And he's like, are you really? And he's like, are you Eddie Brock, the best reporter there ever has been? Just to remind the audience. Mm Mm-hmm. I was. He was. (laughs) I can't get over the fact that the movie tried so hard to make you like Eddie Brock. The biggest laugh I got out of the movie, Bartek, the biggest laugh was not any of the cringy Venom stuff, but was when Eddie Brock parks his motorcycle outside his outside like the office he works at, and there's that guy downstairs. Yeah. Who's like, you can't do that. And he's like, yeah, and they have that cheesy back and forth. That mm-hmm. made me laugh so hard because they were trying to show us like, Eddie gets on with everyone, including this guy. Yeah, this guy on the lower level, literally and figuratively. We never, yeah, and th- it just made me cackle. Like, I literally cackled out loud because... And, it... l- and later in the film, he was like, I love you, man, but you can't do this. No, no, and then he's like, I can't do this. He's my friend. And then and he Venom's like, the what's a friend, Eddie? <laughs> but he knows what pussy is. <laughs> Venom's yeah, got his priorities straight. Is. Yes. <laughs> but uh, that made me laugh so hard because it was like, how calculating is it? Oh, there's, there's this, you know person of color that's a lower level security guy that Eddie's friends with who who's kind of like Eddie you can't do this but he'll let him do it anyway because deep down he knows Eddie's a good guy because Eddie cares about his daughter yeah and I just can't get over how fucking lazy the script was (laughs) it made me laugh and then you know it made me laugh even like the same amount his boss at the paper that guy was yeah. a terrible actor. <laughs> so many offline deliveries. Just so it many that were me. wrong. Where you go, wait, wait, wait. Is that the correct way to respond to this piece of information? And the answer is, yeah, he didn't do it correctly. Because maybe that was like the 14th take and it was the only one that worked. Who knows? We're going to keep movie- you know, making the movie. We never saw him after the six-month time skip. Maybe something bad happened to him. Maybe, but he did leave a no- Eddie did leave a note on his desk with the phone telling him to do the right thing. Mm. <laughs> what was some of the big laughs you got out of the movie? Honestly, I only had two. Mm-hmm. It was obviously the Elmer Fudd, not the Elmer Fudd, sorry, the Kermit line. <laughs> um, and then pretty much a- very shortly after the uh, the leaving the note and the pussy, when he was down on the ground and he was like, you know killing off all those security guard guys, the the SWAT, whoever they were. Um, when Michelle Williams walks in and Eddie Brock, he, he stops being Venom, he goes back to her and he's like rapidly trying to explain like, oh, that, 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 that you know, that wasn't me. That I've got this thing in me that's like, you know, messing me up. Somehow, through the convenience of the film, like he conveyed that there's something wrong with me and I need help. And Michelle Williams' immediate response was just to point behind her and go, Hospital! (laughs) Now! I remember I laughed at that too. In her defense, she already knew he had a parasite. (laughs) So, in her Mm. defense. But that line was, like, pathetic. Do you remember that they have a cat, by the way? They want you to remember that. 
And I mm-hmm. thought, okay, he's going to eat the cat, right? He never does. What was that about? Oh, no, yeah. They, they had they established a dog and they did something with that dog, but not the cat. That um, was like constantly established. Feed the cat. Feed the cat. The cat doesn't miss you. They like they established it so many times, the cat, and then it never ca- I was like, okay, so he's going to eat the cat and that's going to piss her off. And he's like, I'm sorry. I didn't mean it. If, but if anything, it never came the, into play. If anything, the fact that the cat didn't like him, which I think is the last we get of that cat, came across as a bit of a surprise to me because like, when he was on the laptop before the cat walked past him, I was like, oh yeah, cat is in close proximity to him. I guess it likes him, but... Yeah, even with the little they did with it, I felt like there was a bit of a clash in facts. The little details like that, where they don't even bother to explain. <laughs> like, okay, mm. why are they setting up this cat so much? It doesn't even matter. We could set up that we actually have genuine care for Venom, but no, no, we got to set up this cat that does nothing. I, <laughs> I, the film looked terrible throughout but the action sequences in particular looked really terrible and horrible to look at not just the venom versus riot but venom versus drones what do you think about fight sequences that involve drones or or robotic type devices do they thrill you uh i I think until we get a film where the drone is the antagonist no it just seems to be like a very small scale mechanical enemy that like gets taken down in one hit. Like they're, they're no, honestly kind of forgettable. There's no thrill to seeing a drone attack or 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 anything like that because they don't have a personality. I know a faceless henchman doesn't necessarily have a personality, but there's at least there's a physical person. That you're like, oh, this person, like, you internalize their logic. Like, okay, so this person's willing to kill this guy. But a drone, it's just like, okay, I typed some code in and now it's off and off to the races. Who cares? Maybe, yeah, maybe through, like, you know, camera decisions. Like, maybe have close-ups of it. Um, have it, like, beep a bit. Maybe, maybe, like, have it be very stealthy. You can get, like, some illusion of a personality out of it and i think there even is a part where a drone is like you know following them and they don't notice but that was ludicrous by the way that bit because it's like literally right on the back of their car on a highway as if no one would notice that and also you're trying to surveil them wouldn't it be better to do it from a distance like what happens if the car stops suddenly Mm, definitely other people would have seen and been like what's up with that drone but bartek if their car stops suddenly, the drone would smack into it and explode. Like, that's how close yeah, it was. Yeah, definitely, definitely reveal itself, at least. That was so fucking lame. And then... <laughs> Riot shows up. And Riot immediately takes over... Uh, what was his name? Drake. And Yes, yeah, something Drake. Carlton Drake, I don't know. Carlton Drake, that's it, yeah. And, oh, it is actually Carlton Drake? I was just thinking of um, the uncle from, no, the, the guy from Fresh Prince. The cousin. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I, they take him over, and, and, and there's no point where Riz Ahmed discovers that Riot is using him for nefarious means. Because Riz Ahmed's character set up as a bad guy, for sure. He's doing all these horrible things. But it's that bad guy who's deluded themselves into thinking, I'm doing this in the hopes of saving the human race. 
but there's never that moment before he dies where he realizes that Riot was just using him as a vessel so that he could come back with these symbiotes and destroy the human race. You never got that moment. So there's not even the flicker of of, of tragedy or depth to the Riz Ahmed yeah, character. If anything, he should have become more manic and freaking out when he was taken over by Riot because there was a clear contradiction between his intentions and what Riot was doing. Like, one's goal was to save humanity in a very immoral way, the other is to kill humanity. But he didn't know that, though, Riz Ahmed. Mm. He never found out that that was his goal. If he did, then there would be an interesting, conflicting thing going on there. But there was never that moment where Riz Ahmed discovered that was Riot's goal. We did, because Venom told Eddie that. Right. Oh, yeah, and he didn't even have the whole schizophrenia thing either, did he? No, because Riz Ahmed and Riot were both, like, colleagues. They treated like, you are helping me, I'm helping you, let's work together. Because at the end of the movie, that's what Venom and Eddie's relationship is like. Venom's no longer going to eat Eddie because they both like each other. They're both friends, they're both colleagues, they're both working together. You know, Eddie's teaching him, you got to eat bad... If you got to eat people, eat bad guys. And he's going to teach him what a bad guy is and all that. And that's kind of what Riot and uh, Drake were doing, except for their common goal was to get to the rocket. Mm. But wouldn't it have been interesting if at some point during the narrative, even still have him explode at the end, if he discovered in any way, shape, or form that Riot was just using him, like how he was using people throughout the movie for his own goals, his own nefarious means. Wouldn't that have been a great comeuppance? Wouldn't that have been a great narrative twist or dramatic turn? It would have made him a bit less generic and actually have some emotions to show us. Or at least we have a dramatic irony there. Yeah. But instead we get nothing. (laughs) Nothing. Mm. (laughs) The... The action sequence I laughed the most at was the one where they're on the motorcycle running away from the drones. And at Mm -hmm. this point, we've seen Venom do... Like, the bold guy has seen Venom, like, do so many things. Like, literally attack him. Venom has literally attacked the bold guy. And yet, when Venom does, like, a wheelie on the motorbike, the bold guy goes, What the hell is that? (laughs) Dude... He literally attacked you like a scene ago. Or at least you know that, like, you've seen him on the motorbike jumping and twirling with black goo already. But the moment where he did, like, a little little turn or a wheelie or whatever, he's like, whoa, what's that? Dude, it's Venom. You know what it is. You've been chasing it the whole time. (laughs) No, he only knows about cars. He's never seen a motorcycle. I thought it was very brave of the movie to have the villain take out the hero, like the henchman to take the v- hero out to, into the woods to shoot him when he could have just yeah. shot him right then and there. <laughs> no, because you need a dark nighttime setting for the return of Venom. Mm. No, no, no. It's because Riz Ahmed said, don't mess up my lab earlier in the movie. Ah, uh, yes, That's the why. pristine lab. The pristine blue lab. Which he himself caused messes in when he, like, killed off scientists. I just want to exclaim right now. I know Michelle Williams is apparently a great actress, but I have not seen a single one of her movies or TV shows in which she has demonstrated that. I have only seen Michelle Williams in garbage. And she 
can, unfortunately, I cannot attest to her greatness, but I can attest to her terribleness. When she is in something bad, she is really fucking bad. And in this, she was terrible. She was awful because she's working with nothing. And she, and when she works with nothing, more often than not, she just has this blank expression on her face. Or this expression of, I'm lost. And that's her throughout the whole movie. Where at the end, they're like, she can fight dirty. And she's like, yeah. I'm like, can she? When's this been demonstrated? <laughs> when was that demonstrated yeah, before? I don't remember when it was when it was Venom doing the fighting, I guess, but not her. Yeah. And then at the end, she you know does the volume thing, and she's like, "Yeah, see, I told him I can fight dirty," and it's like it was just so hilarious to me because they hadn't built this up. Like they built up she knew about the sound thing because she used it earlier, but they didn't set up that she was like this, you know, this sassy, smart Alec, you know, fights dirty type of person. She was like the prim proper lawyer. Yeah. She was the love interest. She wasn't Harvey Dent. Alright, where Harvey Dent is like the noble figure who's straight and honourable, but also he's a little bit dirty, you know, with the coin and all of that. She's, Mm. who's, you know, an attorney. She's just a woman who, you know, good for her, man. Like, you know, like, she's terrible in this. Have you seen Michelle Williams in anything good? You saw Manchester by the Sea. She's in that, right? Um, that's one of the films that I fell asleep in, so I, I can't say anything about Manchester by the Sea other than, like, oh, I saw Matthew Broderick. Oh, was he in, in that? Between, yeah, in between me opening and closing my eyes, like, oh, is that Matthew Broderick? And that was me in Manchester Have by the Sea. Have you seen her in anything, Michelle Williams, that was she was good in? I'm, I'm completely blanking on her filmography, so I can't really answer we that. We saw her in Deception. She was the woman in oh, Deception. Yes. Deception, yeah. The, the we we totally said that she was super consistent in that. I don't know what movies she's done where she's genuinely great. If people could recommend them, maybe we'll check one out on the pod. But I've only seen her in stinking hot garbage, and she gets to have one of the best moments in the movie, Venom titties. It's time to talk about the Venom titties, Bartek. You heard about the Venom titties beforehand. That was one of the things From we took. you, yeah. And Will, our friend Will who saw it at the cinema. Mm-hmm. Hearing about Venom titties and seeing Venom titties are very different things. How was it seeing female Venom? Too dark, I couldn't see anything. Oh, come on, you could see. No, really. I could see... Like, honestly, I could see more of Venom throughout the whole film other than when it was the woman Venom. Oh man, I could see it on my big TV and it was terrifying. It was it was DeviantArt on screen. Someone had DeviantArt a DeviantArt isn't... of a female Venom, a DeviantArt, and here it was on the big screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but DeviantArt, I think, tends to have better lighting. Mm, depends. Depends. And I, <laughs> I just... At the end, she was like, it was awesome, or whatever, having him inside me. And it was played for comedy, like, haha, she liked a thing inside of her, because she's a, you know, like, I don't know, it was like a sexy joke, that well, even, line. Even Tom, Hardy, even Tom Hardy described having a venom inside you as a thing up your ass, so, yeah. Mm. 
Anything else you want to discuss about the movie before we get to the post credits? Um, it would really just be going over a lot of points that we made, like oh, this stilted delivery or this awkward camera work, things like that. Really, it'd just be kind of expanding on things we already talked about. I, I do have something to say, and I try to be respectful of people opinions different from mine of course mm-hmm. but there mm-hmm. are people i know in real life as well as on the internet that i respect their opinions greatly that like this movie and think it's a good movie i do not know where they are coming from if it's because it isn't as bad as we all expected and that's what makes it good that's a pretty low mark I know yeah. someone online who marked this movie higher because of the post credit scenes because they're a fan of Carnage or something. And I'm like, yeah, but that's not the fucking movie. This isn't that. It's not, that's not, that, that doesn't make this movie better because there's going to be a promise of something you want in the future. That's what happened with the Amazing Spider-Man movies. Every fucking Amazing Spider-Man movie is like, oh, there's going to be... Next time, there's going to be an actual movie. And there never was. And hence, there was only two of those. Because each movie was a promise of, next time, there'll be a movie. This, you know, Bartek, this Venom should have belonged in the Amazing Spider-Man universe. It actually feels tonally consistent with them. Like, if this Venom slid into the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man universe i would i I would buy it i wouldn't actually be con- tonally confused to buy it i'd be like yeah that that makes sense yeah, chuck quips at each other yeah but that's it let's talk about that with those post credits though let's talk mm-hmm. about the first one what did you gleam from that um so i i gleamed that it was a follow-up to what what, what um what Eddie Brock was talking about at the last scene with Michelle Williams, like, oh, I interviewed mm. someone big. Oh, you have to read the article to find out. I gleamed that that was, yeah, that was a follow-up to that. Mm. Um, there's a dude in prison who agree- has agreed to an interview, but also seems to be somewhat familiar with Eddie Brock. Yeah. Um, and he's seems to be like a Hannibal Lecter-ish crazy guy. Um, and even though I don't know the character that much, I know that there is a villain named Carnage, so when he says there will be Carnage, it's basically saying there will be bad guy. Yeah, but, 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 the best thing about this, though, is they've got Woody Harrelson in a Ronald McDonald wig, talking about how, and, and scrolling on his, on his fucking jail cell in blood, hi, Eddie! This is a Venom movie, by the way, people. I can't happen to bring this up. This is a fucking See, Venom I, movie. I couldn't read what he was writing. He really wrote Hi, Eddie. Yeah, he was writing <laughs> Hi, Eddie in blood. Uh, I thought it was some sort of like crazy poetry, but no, no, no it was no. just Hi, Eddie. <laughs> no, no, no. We all know that Woody Harrelson's fucking bold for a start. He's not fooling anyone. Carnage in the comics and in the show and movies or whatever, media, Carnage is a symbiote that's crazy and he takes over a crazy, crazy serial killer man. That's who Woody Harrelson's supposed to be. And Carnage is, like, proper evil and, like, he's crazy. And as a kid, that's like, ooh, that's a cool character. And maybe as an adult, too, but 
in the video games, he was always fun to verse because, you know, even Venom didn't like Carnage. And Venom was an asshole. So that means, ooh, this guy's even bigger of an asshole. But in this movie, you're instantly, like, taken out of it. Because even before you see Woody Harrelson turn and show his face, all you see is this big, fiery, red wig on this guy's head. You know immediately it's fake. Mm. <laughs> I can't wait for a whole film of that wig. It was Yeah, hold them to the promise, Ryan. It was so funny. It was so fucking hilarious because Woody Harrelson's a bold actor. He's, you know, we've seen him with wigs and all that before. Like, Bartek, you watched earlier this year True Detective for the first time. He wears a wig in Mm -hmm. that. And, you know, you know it's a wig in that. Even though it's a pretty good wig, you know it's a wig. Especially because in that show you alternate between him in the current day where he's bold and then him back then where he's got hair. In this... You see him turn around and it's like, not only is it a wig, but it's like a red curly-haired orphan Annie wig. And he's supposed to be intimidating and all I can see yeah. is a bald guy in a wig. Like a like a children's store wig. And it was... And he's writing, hi, Eddie, in blood. And Woody Harrelson delivers it on one note as well, where he's like, when I get out of here, Eddie, there's going to be carnage and then he gives like a crazy smirk that just makes you embarrassed mm-hmm. did that want to make you see more that post credit uh not especially no so it failed at his job I, I think you know what in a manner of looking at it I think we can say that it failed is there any post credit scenes in any of these superhero movies that you like or made you go, ooh, I can't wait. Like, ooh, that's intriguing. Well, isn't the main appeal of a lot of them that you're meant to know the comics or the characters? So, And I don't really have that. I mean, I think I remember when I saw Guardians of the Galaxy, there was like a dumb little Howard the Duck thing at the end. I'm like, oh, that's that's from a notorious movie. But yeah, I, I don't think there's been any of these that have meant anything much to me, even if I did know the character. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. You're not a nerd. I'm not that kind of nerd. You're not a nerd. And then we have the other post credit scene, which makes sense for you now, doesn't it, Bartek? Yeah, well, I mean, the copy that I watched it on cut out immediately before that, so I had to go to YouTube to watch it, but I was like, oh, yeah, I know what this is. And explain it for the listening people. So there's this really obscure film called Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, um, and the very final thing, which is right after, like, a list of music that was used, and the last thing listed was Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, um, it was a, basically a teaser for the film, like a straight-up, uh, slice from the film right at the end, just to, like, intrigue you to Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. But, Bartek, not only no. tell us what the scene is, but could you tell us how how they transition to the scene? Do you remember how they transition to the scene? Um, I'm trying to remember because the YouTube video I watched was a guy recording it from his phone in a cinema. Um, <laughs> it said, it was... meanwhile, in another universe. Yeah, meanwhile, in another universe. That's right. It. I know that's a cute little, like a cute little transition thing, but it's... In its in inexplicably, like I know that this isn't what they were trying to do, but via doing that, it's connecting these two movies. 
by being like, yeah. oh, well, meanwhile, in another universe, you know, in another good universe that's made for families and children. Because here's the thing I'm going to ask you, too. Who's Venom made for this film? Who's it for? Like, is it for 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 teens? For, for preteens? Is it for adults? Like, who's this marketed at? Yeah, I feel like it's a kind of general scope of, like, maybe preteens to young adults. I, I, I don't know. But it's bloodless. It has none of the things you want from a Venom movie, which is gore, violence, swearing, the stuff that people wanted from a Deadpool movie, which we got. All the things you want from a Venom related piece of media aren't here other than the aesthetics because this you know he eats people but you don't really see it like you see it but you don't see any like real dare i say carnage from his attacks it's just so pathetic i keep saying pathetic because that's what it is Mm. now one thing we got to talk about but my transition to that is i think that this movie would have been better if it took itself more or less seriously, but it was in this weird middle ground where it was kind of taking itself seriously, but kind of goofing around. And I think this movie would have worked better if they let Eminem write the script. What do you think Mm -hmm. about that idea, Bartek? Because we're going to talk about the song now, but what do you think? If if Eminem sat down and wrote the script to Venom, would would it have been better? Well, they do call him a wordsmith, so you have to imagine that a script by Eminem would have a lot of merit to it. He didn't write any of the script for 8 Mile? I don't know, man. I was really young when I saw 8 Mile. You told me last week. You were like, how dare you not remember that he's an Oscar winner for 8 Mile? I don't think I said how dare you, but I said that he won. I think your exact words were, Ryan, how fucking dare you, you cunt, for not knowing that Eminem is an Oscar winner, motherfucker. I think those are your exact words. I was about to do a a joke where I said, no, I think my words were, and then you said cunt, and I was like, oh, that's the joke I was going to (laughs) make. We know each other too well. No, because, yeah, no, yeah, because even at the Oscars this year, they had that whole thing where Eminem performed his song that won, Mm. because he didn't do it back in 2003 or whatever it was. I wrote Stan! Yeah, I think that the Eminem song of Venom is so terrible and embarrassingly bad, but it has this chaotic energy that, dare I say, it's perfect for the character of Venom. The song, like the, the flow of it, the energy, the cringiness. Because the, Venom is kind of a cringy character because it's that, it's that character that is very much for preteen boys or teenage boys. The, you know, mm. like, yeah. The id, as you said. What was that? You said earlier, he, Venom's basically Eddie Brock's id, so, you know, very carnal things going on. Yeah, and, and you know, it's kind of like, you know, he's a try-hard character, you know, he's he's cool, like, don't get me wrong, but there is that little bit of a cringe nature to him, because he's also, he's he does quips, but his quips are mean quips, because he's the reverse Spider-Man, you know, he's the inverse Spider-Man, where, yeah, he web-slings and all that, but his quips are about, like, I'm gonna eat their heads. Very cringy. Yeah. And his cheesy, like, 90s comic book lines that they lifted. Yeah, 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 and... Eminem's flow and energy on the song Venom actually matches the characterization, not of the film version of Venom, but of Venom. And I would have loved it if they just let him write the script. 
with the way the song was, I would love it if he wrote the script because I think it needs the Eminem energy, this film. Do you think Venom 2, Rise of Venom, it actually has a sequel name, the second Venom, and it sounds terrible. Do you... Is it named like after the villain or something? Uh, Yeah, Venom, the carnage of carnage. I don't know, but... Would you want to see an alternative universe? Meanwhile, in another universe where this was written by Eminem? Yeah, that'd be intriguing. But let's talk about the song proper. We knew about the song before we knew about the movie. Because it was... Let's talk about when I told you about the song. I I think everything I learned about the film initially, yeah, you taught me. So whatever your thing is, is whatever you told me first. Whatever my thing is, whatever you told me first. I had Bartek and I believe our friend Will over after recording a podcast session or beforehand. And we were just chatting about movies and stuff. And I was like, oh, have you heard the song to Venom by Eminem? (laughs) And I I remember saying like, oh, by Eminem. And I think either you or Will or both you didn't know about Eminem doing the song and there was a disbelief that Eminem would be doing a song for Venom. Hmm. Because it's such a ludicrous statement. Like, why would a rapper who hasn't been relevant since, like, 2006 do a song, a a big anthem song for a mainstream superhero movie? It's, you know, Hmm. it's it's just (laughs) so fucking funny. And then I said to you, well, the lyrics go, Venom, Venom, gotta go get him, get him. And there was you, no belief from you. You were like, no, 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 no. And then I asked my wife, Rachel, well, Rachel, you got to play the song now. you got to play Venom now. And we played it. We watched a YouTube video and tears were rolling down our faces with laughter because it's real. It's a real song. <laughs> it's yeah. just so funny. <laughs> and every time... We talk about Venom. We just say, Venom, Venom, gotta go get him. (laughs) Because. Yeah. This is the best superhero movie from 2003, by the way. Venom. (laughs) Because the Venom song feels like it's from back in the day. Because Eminem's kind of a joke now, right? Like, no one actually really takes him seriously as a musician. He's kind of like a parody of himself at this point. Like, he's very grim and serious, but his lyrics are gibberish nonsense. (laughs) But I want him to do songs for every superhero movie now. (laughs) (laughs) Ryan, you see Um, see Merrick I asked this last week, Bartek, but I want further Mm -hmm. now. What other superhero or comic book franchise or character or series would you want Eminem to do a song for? That's right. You did tell me that you were going to ask me this question. Um, hmm. Yeah, yeah, I told you to prep for it. I said Spawn last week. Would, um, yeah. Uh, do you think if, if we picked one for Eminem, it's he would a do a one. similar thing where he'd just say, like, in the chorus, the character's name in, like, a funny way? Like, you know, we have Venom. I would hope so. But, like, but he's, if, he's if a... we were going to go for something like that, I could I could see him trying to go, like, shocker, shocker. <laughs> If we're going to keep it to Spider-Man, maybe. I like the idea that he just does Spider-Man all the time, like Spider-Man characters, but he will never do a Spider-Man song. I would vote for... Uh, I would vote for him, obviously, to do a Carnage song for the sequel. He has to do that. 
But I would really like to hear his <laughs> he take on Sandman. I'd love to hear a Venom take on this of the villain of Sandman, where he does like Mr. Sandman cover, but he does it as Eminem. <laughs> he can find a lot of words that rhyme with man. Yeah, yeah. There's there's rhyme in between the rhymes is a thing that Eminem has said in the past. But yeah, I, I think that's it on our Venom discussion, Bartek. Are you satisfied? Yeah, it was a great film. I loved it. You are. Good. Loved it. 10 out of 10. Recommend to family and friends. Alrighty. Bartek. Mm-hmm. A pleasure, as always, to be doing an episode of the podcast with you. Yeah, yeah, it was fun. I enjoyed this episode. It was not at all a nightmare recording this long distance because Venom is symbiote. It connects us. Even though we're physically apart, we have a big black gooey strand connecting us from distances. Isn't that wonderful? Yeah, I've been meaning to ask you about that. Does Rachel think that's weird? No, she thinks it's hot. Oh, cool. Like the She's, she's like, oh man, I love black goo. <laughs> I love it inside me. Oh, well, I, I feel the same way. <laughs> I don't know if she wants Williams. to know that though. Are you ready to hear what the episode for next week is? Yeah, I am. Well, it's a listening people suggestion. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, we've had a couple of brooding episodes at late with your pick and my pick. You know, Venom was very brooding, serious drama mm-hmm. about, you know, internal struggles as well as external. I mean... Did you see the bit where he had to water the plant that was dying? That was, you know, reflective of him. That was very, very good, good, good filmmaking. So I think it's time for a light movie, a, a more joyous film, a musical. Okay, cool. We're going to do one of the listening people's suggestions. We are doing the producers, the OG producers from Mel Brooks. Right on, cool. So, listening people, make sure to check out the film during the interim so uh, so you are up to date on the content of the producers. If you have not seen it, it is well worth a watch. If you've seen the uh, remake or maybe even heard the heard or seen the stage production of it, you got to see this one. It's it's a it's a classic for a reason, Gene Wilder. So, Bartek, are you looking forward to some more song and dance in our lives? Yeah, yeah, I've only seen that film once, so I'm keen to see it again. Would the film pr- the producers be better if Eminem wrote it? <laughs> if he wrote Everything the but the music. Everything but the music, but he performed the music. Yeah. Oh man, he would play. He would play Gene Wilder. He would play him <laughs> if he acted in it. So. Uh, listening people, you can find us on the social medias, Facebook and Twitter, Spit and Posh Presents. We're always posting fun stuff on there, asking questions, giving links, all of that great stuff. You can also email us at spitandpolished at gmail.com to give us your thoughts, queries, suggestions even for movies in the future. We take it all in stride. Bartek... A uh, pleasure, as usual, to be potting with you, even though we are now separated again. It's unfortunate, but it is the way of the world. I um, am looking forward to when this is over, and we can be in the same room again, and I can look you dead in the eyes and say, Venom, Venom, gotta go get him.
Mm, yeah, despite what I said at the beginning of this episode, I do miss you, sweetie. Thank you, baby cakes. Uh, remember listening, people, to be Venom to each other, and that on Venom's home <laughs> planet, he's a bit of a loser, okay? You gotta remember that. Uh, until next time, listening, people, Venom, Venom, gotta go get him, Venom, Venom, Venom. As sung by Eminem, Eminem. 